Hey there, humans. Welcome to Sinister Soup, a show where we explore genre fiction through the lens of literature, film, and ridiculous conversation. As always, I am one of your hosts, Travis Vermullum. I'm Clay Vermullum, the other host. And this week, we have a lot of great things for you. The same things you're probably used to at this point. We're going to bring some culture, we're going to roll some dice, and we're going to drink some beer. Mm-hmm. Mm-hmm. So, on the front of bringing some culture, what do you got for us this week, bro? I'm going to bring a fellow writer up this week, um, but this time it's going to be a writer who's uh, a different type of writer than I am. So he's a he's a copywriter, content writer for um, businesses. So he's mostly like a you know a sales writer, internal stuff, uh, and content and copy uh, mm-hmm. that he writes for all kinds of different businesses. But his name's James Lorraine, and he's an awesome force on LinkedIn. Um, he's a very fun person to follow. He always is writing really hilarious, engaging content. Um, and I really like his stuff because it bridges that gap between like uh, business writers and creative writers because he very much shows how you still have to be really creative to be a successful writer in the business realm. And, you know, all good copywriters and content writers do that. Mm-hmm. But James is uh, very relatable and, and close to that creative side, and he lets it be very shown and very present. It's very fun to read his stuff. He, in particular, what I like the most is he does these, like, copywriting battles. Oh, yeah? Where he challenges other copywriters on LinkedIn to to write copy against him uh, for terrible products. <laughs> so he, <laughs> like, the last one they did was use socks. Um, oh, so they have to, like, write a great, like, sales pitch for used socks, and then people vote on, you know, it's anonymous who wrote which one, and then they vote on which brand name and which, like, description sold them on the product better. That's awesome. Yeah, it's really, really fun. So James Lorraine on LinkedIn, um, and check out his copywriting battles. They're so awesome. Very entertaining, and... And it's really cool to see, like, the the fun and playful side of, like, content and copywriting, which oftentimes can seem so, like, business-like and down to the point, you know? Mm-hmm, mm-hmm. That's another one of those instances. You brought up a few people of that that are, like, just doing a creative spin on, like, a job that people sometimes don't think about. Um, and I really, that's always cool to see and enjoyable. Yeah, I'm a big fan of seeing that. Mm-hmm. What do you got? All right, so for this week, I am bringing another TikTok person. Mm-hmm. As always, Clayton, I'll ask you a question. What okay. is uh, probably my favorite thing to do with my free time? Your favorite thing to do with your free time? Yeah. D&D. D&D. Dungeons and Dragons is definitely my favorite thing to do with my free time. And the person that I am promoting today for our Brings and Culture is a TikToker named Whipjack, at Whipjack. Uh, her name is Haley um, on her actual profile. She runs a podcast called Unprepared Casters that I think is actually gaining quite a bit of traction. Uh, she has like quite a few followers on TikTok. And she gives a lot of really cool like Dungeons and Dragons advice and also just kind of like tells stories about her the actions her parties have done and like how she reacted as a dm i've gleaned a few cool creative ideas off of her channel to use for your game uh that we play together and a few of my other games that i run um 
I think nice. it's just it's a community that I think she represents a really cool part of the D and D community that it needs to stop being so pretentious in trying to be original with everything. I had this problem when I first started DMing. I was like, I can't borrow anything. I can't take a cool <laughs> idea from any other DM. I have to homebrew everything. I have to like be my own dungeon master. And Haley Whipjack um, is definitely one of the people who shook me out of that because I see a lot of cool ideas and I'm like, but why? Like the fantasy genre itself borrows all the time. Like mm -hmm. if this is gonna make my games more fun, I might as well just borrow it. Mm -hmm. It's not like I'm getting paid to run these games, so I can just borrow this cool little snippet that she's done and use it in my game. And it's almost always turned out so awesome, where people are like, how did you come up with that? And I'm like, I didn't. Go watch this person. <laughs> <laughs> That's awesome. Yeah, so uh, if you want to just watch some cool ideas for um, how to run a D&D &D campaign, uh, and also listen to her really awesome campaign, uh, Unprepared Casters, which is on Spotify and Apple, or Whipjack on TikTok. I stole uh, James Lorraine's profile picture. Oh. Um, you know the new picture I have of me with the like pen held in front of me in the foreground? Yeah, yeah, yeah. Um, that I took that from him, <laughs> and then I made a post on LinkedIn about it. Like, being like, hey, thanks for telling me I could steal your stuff, James. <laughs> <laughs> Um, yeah. So it's funny that, uh, yeah, it's just funny that we're both we're both doing that because we're creatives and all creatives do that. Yeah, it should be an open community in all ways. And I mean, you definitely give credit where credit's due, but that doesn't mean you can't like see a cool thing and be like, hey, that'll work in my story. Like you say, give credit where credit's due. That's what's important. All right, oh, what are we what are we debating today, Travis? All right, well, today, as you know, our next portion, which we had several suggested names. I think maybe, are we settling on roll for critique? No, it's too close to critical roll for me. <laughs> okay, that's fair enough. Um, well, we still don't know. We were going to call it Travis Trolls. But then uh, you but won. I, but I won. The, and you ruined the it. same week that we suggested <laughs> Travis <laughs> you Trolls. Ru ruined it. I ruined it. So we're still looking for a name, people. Um, if you're a listener, if you have any suggestions, what we do, we roll a dice. We debate a movie. The lower role has to explain why that movie is complete garbage or book and deserves to not be um, as heralded as a classic as it is. Um, and what does the higher role do, bro, since you usually get it? And the higher role gets to argue that uh, the movie or book is a fantastic piece of art that deserves to be counted amongst the classics and deserves to, deserves to and will by virtue of its awesomeness, echo throughout the ages. Mm -hmm. Mm -hmm. Today we are reviewing a sort of modern classic horror film that despite what you might think about it, whatever your opinions are, it gained a lot of popularity mm -hmm. in the year that it came out, was heralded in reward season, very much talked about. It is the horror film Hereditary, starring Hereditary. Tony Collette and Alex Wolfe. Oh, yes. All right. You ready to roll? I'm ready. Dice gods. What do we decide here? <laughs> well, two. Oh, my gosh. I got a six. Two in a row with Still a six. one. Two in a row. <laughs> Go Woo. birds. 
Go birds. All right, All cool. Right. I didn't want to argue for this one anyway. <laughs> well, who is going to kick it off? You are, because you won. I know, That's you don't true. know how that part works. Oh, yeah. Well, You're yeah. getting used to it, though. That's two weeks. All right. Well, let me just start by saying Hereditary is one of my newest favorite, like, films. It's not, it's weird to say this, it's not one of my newest favorite horror movies, but just generally as a movie, I really, really, really enjoy this film. Um, it's not in my top five, but it is high up definitely in the top 10 right now because of the way it is shot is beautiful the cinematography the purpose the purpose behind every frame Ari Oscar takes his time he lingers on things and makes you makes you watch them for all they are um, which was very much something that Kubrick like did and it brought out this feeling of dread and I also think just like underlying his horror story kind of possession tale is this theme of um, depression and grief and how we grieve. And he kind of addresses those issues through this horrific, terrifying lens that really forces you to look inside and like wonder, like, how would I react in these situations? How would I react if my grief was this heavy? And I really think Ari nails that. Um, and the performances in this movie are outstanding, especially Tony Collette. I think she was robbed of a nomination that year, um, or maybe she was nominated and didn't win. I can't quite remember, but she definitely deserved the hype she got for the role. Um, her, her turn as the mother was just insanely talented. Um, and I think the movie is is just a stellar way that the horror genre can kind of transcend um, being just like jump scares and being purely rooted in this like, oh, it's scary. It's way more than that. It's, it's like a legitimately artful, artistic view of depression and grief that was very well done. Mm, I guess so. It was, <laughs> I don't know. It kind of goes back to what you were talking about with uh, leading your audience where you want them to go. And But unlike Cabin in the Woods, this wasn't like a badly built movie that then went in a completely unexpected direction. And that's why it was misunderstood. This movie went exactly the direction it said it was going to go. And it got so overhyped that by the time I watched it, I was expecting... How dare you, by the way. I was expecting a movie as good as the Stanley Kubrick movie. How dare you, sir? Um, and that is not what I got, you know? I got a movie that was like, eh, almost as good as Insidious, but not quite. It was like subpar horror. They, they started out really strong, but I just feel like they, they kind of like blew it you know they blew their climax of the movie the most climactic part of the movie happened in the first third of it and they were like trying to do the unconventional like structure but at the end of the day by the time they got to the climax climax that they really like where they revealed the cult and spoiler alerts if you haven't seen hereditary by now that's on you um where they revealed the cults and they revealed that all along the kid had been the the vessel 
which again lore wise doesn't really make sense because like if you wanted the male kid to be the vessel the whole time then why not just possess him he was super vulnerable and like you didn't have to go through the mother and the daughter first the mother lets you into the house but like she wasn't like i don't know she was the only one trying to get you out i guess so that's why he felt like he had to kill the mother the cult did it was also unclear like is the demon working here is the cult working here i don't know it felt a little all over the place to me and uh, a little too up its own bosom with symbolism uh just like taking itself so seriously like like you said almost trying to be art housey and i just i just wanted to watch a horror movie I fully disagree with you on the all over the place. I think the plot line really played itself out. I think they dropped enough like subtle hints that the audience, if they were paying attention, which they should have been, um, totally could understand that the mom kept the firstborn son away from her mother because she was actually like scared for his life in his entirety of life. And by the time he was like a grown high schooler, the grandma lived there for like a year and then died. And so never really had access to him, but developed this like creepily close relationship with the little sister. And so through the little sister gets to the firstborn son. And I thought that was like a cool commentary on like, um, I don't know how, like even the gender roles in like a cult are, are still like oppressive in a sense that like the, the little sister would have probably gladly like gone to the grandma for anything and would have probably gladly just been a conduit for this like pagan god but because of like traditional gender roles and like this cult's backwards thinking can't be like she has to like conduit for like her brother um i thought that was a really cool spin they kind of put on it and don't how dare me um because i did not say he was stanley kubrick i thought he imitated a lot of the patience kubrick exhibits in his movies nobody is the kid <laughs> nobody is the kid stanley kubrick is next level definitely like up there some of the greatest directors of all time and i think ari oster learned from him and you can see it in how he films because he definitely demands patience from his viewers he does not want you to just be like yeah let's rush to the scary stuff no he's like sit on this frame think about this frame and watch these people unravel and that to me is horror that is beyond jump scares that is dread it is the thing that when i go home from the theater i will not stop thinking about that movie for the next three days and that is the sign of a good horror film eh. i don't know it was pretty, it wasn't like a slow burn like the Babadook was. It was way, it was super fast paced. Like the the horror was right in your face the entire time. It didn't feel slow and drawn out to me. Just because you sit on a wide shot doesn't mean you're letting the scene unravel um, in an artistic fashion. I mean, I think it tried, but I don't really think it succeeded. I, I, I said this the first time I watched the movie again. It just, like, blew its climax. It went, like, so hard that I felt like it got it. It gave itself Dragon Ball Z syndrome, you know, where it's like, oh, how are you going to top that? Oh, this is just oh. suddenly way worse and way worse and way worse. And it's like, okay, it's so bad at this point that, like, eh. 
I don't care anymore. There's nobody to root for left. Yeah, I don't know. I just, I did not see it that way at all. I saw that the death of the little sister was this, it was a climactic moment, but it, it kind of was like, let's realize that this movie is not about the death. It is about the way you react to it. And that's kind of what the point of the movie is. And so she had to die early on because otherwise you wouldn't get these like pivotal scenes where the mother is talking to her son and like blaming him because like, and he's just like ripped apart by the death of his sister at the same time. And this blame is like being placed on his shoulders. And in that he becomes vulnerable because he feels like he has no corner to go with. And I think what you said is intentional. Like who am I supposed to root for? That's how he felt. And that's why the demon up fear of the week. Bear the week. It's <laughs> time. Stop myself there. Okay. Cracking it. Uh, cracking it. What do you got this week? I got Bat Squatch from Rogue Brewing Company. That is an awesome name. I know. It's got an awesome little cover, too. A little bat. A little bat Sasquatch kind of feller happening here. Bat More repping Oregon again. This is from, uh, I drink a lot of Oregon beer. But mostly since I've been on this IPA quest, it's just how Oregon rolls. They are the Emperor Hippies. Mm-hmm. Yeah. So this what? is from Newport, Newport, Oregon. I'm doing Hope. It's just called Hope. Okay. <laughs> it is a La Cabra Brewing IPA. I'm also kind of joining you on this journey this week as well. Another IPA. Wow. ASMR. We're really questing, folks. We're really we are trying. questing. Such a sound. Such a sound. Ooh, that's the sound, too. Sure is. I could do this for a living. Just the same SMR stuff. Yeah. <laughs> that's, what, that's what we're trying to do. That's really our end game with this whole show. It's just ASMR. Mm-hmm. Then we'll get hired as professional ASMR people. Pouring beer. All right, what studios. Are you, what are you thinking of yours? Uh... It's it's fine. It's better than the one I had last week. Oh, okay. Yeah, okay. it's actually a lot smoother. It's a very it's a lot less bitter. So I would probably do this one again. It's actually pretty good. But it's not again I wouldn't buy it over a Hefenweizen or something that I actually enjoy. But as IPAs go, it's relatively alright. <laughs> yeah. Yeah. I will give it one thing. It's not very hoppy, but the reason it's not hoppy is because they've just drowned it in tangerine and grapefruit flavor. Oh. And I am not a fan of that. No, you don't like sweet beers. No, so if you like grapefruit, uh, this is a great beer. It tastes like grapefruit. (laughs) Um, I don't. (laughs) Well, there you go. (laughs) I don't even know if I'm going to finish that. Set it over there. Ooh, that's not very common where you don't finish it. No. I just don't want a glass of juice right now. I want a glass of beer. All right. Well, bro, you were the attacker. What did you think of Hereditary? Uh, again, everything I said was BS. Um, Hereditary is a great movie. Completely agree with you that Ari is uh, doing some very Kubrick-like things. I love the lingering wide shots. I love the pace. 
I love the daughter's death as a catalyst for the movie because it's just like you said um, we always think that the death of the like child that's being followed around by the creature is gonna be the climax or that child is inevitably gonna kill the rest of her family or something that's how it always goes mm-hmm. and I love how this movie is like nope actually she ain't got a head mm-hmm. so what you gonna do about that I'm, I'm curious what okay you we've talked about this movie in the past and your first impressions were not this correct yeah no my first impressions were a little more in line with what I argued today mm-hmm but upon rewatching it, I appreciated it a lot more, and I'm not sure why. I just did. I think when I first watched it, I watched it too close to all the hype. I watched it at the height of the hype. Yeah, I think that was a big problem with it because I definitely like the hype was huge. It was so like, huge, really, really too large. People were like, it was one of those movies, kind of like the first Paranormal Activity, where it was like, you won't be able to finish it theaters you'll leave and it's like i have yet to see a movie that has made me leave the theater so i really wish they would just stop advertising them like that (laughs) (laughs) the the only way a movie makes me leave the theater is if it's bad yeah yeah really bad we left during that one movie i think it was uh the last legion with colin (laughs) the last legion I will never forget that moment because that is the only movie I've ever walked out of, and it's because you walked out. I hated it too, but I will, no matter how bad I think a movie is, I will sit there for the whole thing. Yeah, I won't. I've walked out of a few. But you were like, we're done with this, and I was like, okay. (laughs) (laughs) It was really bad. It was really bad. Um, Um, But Hereditary was not. I thought it was great. Um, yeah, yeah, and it it was really scary. I thought I thought they did an awesome job. I mean, that scene where she's up in the corner on the ceiling, mm-hmm. and then mm-hmm. they do it again, and you're like, "That's great." Mm-hmm. They never pointed to it. It's not actually very easy to see, like, mm-hmm. but it's there. And if you, when I notice it, I mean, that's my favorite thing when horror movies do that. So, uh, when they put the monster like in the background. Or yeah. put something important in the background for you to notice if you're paying attention. Yeah. And, yeah, I thought it was a great spin on the cult thing. And then the other thing I really liked about it, I wanted to argue for this movie. Um, <laughs> the uh, other thing I really liked was that they teased with the dollhouse trope, and then it was just a dollhouse. Yeah. Mm-hmm. That was so great. Because I've seen the dollhouse so many damn times. Yep. Mm-hmm. And but it, it was just a dollhouse. There was like nothing weird about it. No, nope. just a dollhouse. So and funny. like the only thing weird is that it was like, it was like, um, what is Tony Collette's name? Character Annie's. It was like Annie's only place that she like, kind of funneled her emotions in a completely professional way. But it was the most disturbing thing for her husband. Like when he walked right. in, she's like pa- painting the accent, and he's like, "What in the hell is this?" <laughs> like. And she's like, what do you mean? (laughs) It's just my work. And it's like, no, you cannot do this. And that's great because that we totally, everybody does that. Mm -hmm. They pour their grief into their activities that distract them from it, you know, Mm -hmm. and go like, I just, this is how I process. Mm -hmm. (laughs) But when, when that's her job is to make models of real life things, it's like, that's really screwed up. Yeah, that's really disturbing. I really liked, too, how the movie, um, it had a ton of scenes that, like, effortlessly, like, 
changed from nightmare to reality. Like mm-hmm. the scene when she's in his bedroom in um in uh Peter's bedroom, and you think like she's sleepwalking and she's like talking to Peter, and then he's like, "Mom, what are you doing?" And when it goes back to her, she's like drenched in gasoline. I was like, "What?" <laughs> and then she just like lights herself on fire, and you're like, "Oh, this is a nightmare." Hopefully, mm-hmm. I hope this is a nightmare. And then it does like go out of the nightmare, and you're like, "Oh, that was that was well done." Yeah, it's great. Yeah, they did a great job. That movie's terrifying. Um, definitely deserved the hype that it got. It just any movie that gets too much hype, it you're not gonna like it as much. Yeah, because you can't possibly live up to those high expectations. Yeah, fully agree. Yeah, we gotta wrap it up here. That is a podcast, people. Um, <laughs> had a good time talking about Hereditary, drinking some beer, and advertising some culture. So, where can they find you, Clay? Well. You can find me on Instagram. I'm at Claver Mullen Fiction. And then I'm really trying to drive more traffic to my website listeners. So if you like this content, please go to the Claver Mullen Fiction website. Grab the newsletter. That newsletter only comes to you once a month. But when it does, it brings a monthly short horror story. I also have fiction that I'm going to be releasing on the, on the website. And I have regular blog posts. Um, I write about two monsters a month, and then you vote on which monster would win in a fight, and then that's how you determine the uh, short story every month. So if you want to be a part of creating your own content, come to ClayfordMullenFiction.com, grab the newsletter, join me over there. And if you want to follow me on any of my social media, I am at OG on Instagram. I do polls for several different things, snacks, bands, actors. Um, and if you want to watch my TikTok, which is mostly just me reviewing books and being a geek, I'm uh, at Tevermolum on TikTok as well. Awesome. Thank you for tuning in to Sinister Soup this week. I've been Clay Vermolum. And I've been Travis Vermolum. And we are both still those people. <laughs>